Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and I'm here with my longtime collaborator and friend, Jessica Schleif. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Teresa. It's uh, so lovely to be talking to you again. What a treat to have you over. (laughs) And uh, we are here at um, kind of the transition of one year to the next. It's midwinter. And uh, we've just passed the winter solstice, and we're looking at um, what's happening this time of year in the garden, in on the farm, mm-hmm. in our wild spaces. What are the things to do and not do? Um, and I, I think you know we we joke about like it, it, there's that inclination of like I want to get all this stuff done, but there are times when it's better to not get stuff done it's true so tell me your thoughts about this time of year well we've just gone through a an amazing storm cycle ice frozen sheet ice uh lots of extra weight on trees and shrubs with this ice and then some pretty crazy winds. Lots I don't know of wind. What it was like out Ooh. at the farm, but over here on the south slope of Astoria, <laughs> things. It was a wild ride. It was wild, and I was thinking about the people who live closer to the ocean and the headlands. I mean, it must have just been so intense. It wasn't quite, you know, storm of 07 strong, but it had vibes. But it had vibes. It had that and vibe. Some of those gusts. <laughs> yep. That were gusting were sustained in a way. Um, where yeah. I started having 07 vibes. <laughs> I was like, is it going to stop now? Yeah, Will it, this stop? it was really sustained. And it reminded me what wind is really like and what wind can do. Yes. Yeah. And um, being prepared for that. Being prepared for that. And obviously now, uh, as we're listening to a chainsaw echoing in the neighborhood, <laughs> you know, there's some storm cleanup to do. Um, but I urge people, don't feel like you need to just immediately take all this wood away, all these things away. You know, if, if something's in your driveway, break it down. Go ahead and break it down or have it broken down. Um, but some of these pieces of mossy wood could be valuable in the garden for small terracing. Or if you have a more wild area of your garden that you want to just... Let some things decompose on their own. You know, it's okay to go ahead and break down some of your storm debris and have a small brush pile somewhere. Um, and you're kind of talking about what to do and mm-hmm. what not to do. <laughs> At this point in time in my own home garden and a lot of the gardens that I'm lucky enough to be able to interact with out in the world of Astoria, uh, I am not weeding anymore right now. Any of the weeds that have made it through, um, I'm calling those cover crop at this point in time. Such a great way to look at it. (laughs) If they're not going to seed, why not? You know, and at this point in time with these temps, no one's putting on seed, Mm -hmm. you know. So I'm, I'm just, there's areas in my garden, in fact, just the other day, things warm up. You get out there and you think, oh, I want to do something. I want to do something. Um. And I started kind of eyeballing some of the calendula cover crop that I have in areas or um, and kind of thanking those those small weeds and plants for just being there and being in areas where I didn't get cover crop in or maybe I didn't. 
you know, get a really healthy layer of mulch down. They're or holding the I soil. Did. They're holding the soil. So, so uh, consider this a, a, you know, written permission slip. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about weeding right now. You know, let things be, um, let, let those weeds that are there be cover crop for now. And you know what I went to the other day mm-hmm. after the, the weather heated up a little bit? I just started doing some little tiny tip pruning on some of my maples. You know, things that are so easy to see right now. A lot of our deciduous shrubs and trees um, have dropped their their leaves and it's so much easier to see that structure and maybe even if I'm not actively doing that pruning but maybe I'm sitting with a cup of tea and just kind of perusing looking at my crab apple looking at um, some of the barberries and other things that have lost their leaves that I can actually see the structure and think about airflow and think about light flow and Think about if one side looks like it might be a little heavier than the other. Looking at branches that are really reaching, that if they were covered with ice and then a 65 mile an hour wind came in, that maybe they'd like to be shortened a little bit in a nice selective heading cut sort of way. But not doing the cutting right now, just thinking about it. I'm doing Doing some of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a really great idea when it is freezing, like actually frozen. Mm-hmm. That's not pleasant for the plants. Um, wood is brittle and can break more easily. But yeah, I'm doing a little bit of I'm doing a little bit of maple pruning. I'm doing a little bit of small tree pruning, shrub pruning. It's just so nice to be able to actually see the structures without the leaves on it, and I can see. Maybe I've done some of my larger pruning already as far as full branches, mm-hmm. but I'm looking out to those tips of things that I couldn't really see when they had leaves on them. And also, it's that time of year where I've got the time to sit and look <laughs> at it. Absolutely. I mean, t- giving yourself time in the winter to really reflect, I feel like this is such a great time to look back and think about, you know, how did your garden go? How did your farm go? Mm -hmm. You know, assess what worked and what didn't, you know, what you wanted more of, what you wanted less of, whatever those things are, and make some plans. Yes, and looking looking at spaces, um, I'm looking at smaller spaces in my garden that I might be able to tuck food into. I have a really beautiful row of blueberries in the back that I inherited and I've pruned through the years and and really started taking care of them about four or five years ago and realizing, hmm, oh, mulching those (laughs) and loving on them really like upped my fruit production. And I'm kind of looking at spaces in my back garden where I might be able to sneak another mid-sized blueberry in. Sorry, L- we're ha- little cat dog action. <laughs> they have opinions about blueberries too. Yes, Tucker and Tony are talking about the blueberries. Um, also, just thinking about where can I have another little section of sweet peas? Where can I other areas in my garden maybe that I haven't taken advantage of before? Um, this last year, I just let some things be put to bed with. Um, 
honestly like a heavy grade felt mm -hmm. mulched over it i'm pulling felt in some areas before the winter really came on i did some strawing and now laying I'm, out straw yep laying out straw after i had laid out felt for an entire season pulling back the felt weeding through it a little bit if there's morning glory that's still there putting a, a straw layer onto that. And I'm looking at some of those areas thinking, oh, maybe that's another place that I can have greens or what is another perennial small shrub that I might yeah. want to have. I really love the idea of mixing edibles into a garden. I think so often we kind of sequester our vegetable garden over here yes. and then our, our flower garden over here, our perennial garden over here. And it, it's some vegetable plants are beautiful. And you can mix in chard or kale or even like a, a little teepee of peas exactly. or other things and really enhance exactly. and mix and match. And you don't have to have it be like all over here in rows in a garden. I mean, on a farm, it's different. Yes. And there's reasons why we do things in rows on farms for efficiency, for harvesting and stuff like that. But in your garden space, you can do whatever you want. It's <laughs> true. And, you know, I, I have been mixing in kales and I can remember some of my first gardens in town having giant kohlrabis inside my like perennial borders and, you know, having visitors say, well, what is that? Well, it's a vegetable. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, in, in with the beds. And I see myself taking that even a little bit farther where I had certain areas of my garden that I thought of as, well, here's the vegetable garden is here and it's close to this and, you know, and here's where I'm developing, you know, my uh, dwarf conifers and a little grouping of maples. And this year I really shook it up even farther where I planted a lot of my greens in with that dwarf conifer and maple garden because it was closer to my house. And I want those things that so, I'm- So the proximity of, exactly. I can just step out my back door and harvest exactly. and it's easier. And it's easier. And and that some of those herbs that I'm growing out front can, I can have smaller plants around the back um, just to be able to pop out my door. And, and, and go cut a sprig of rosemary exactly, or thyme and exactly yeah. you know and be able to grab my kale for dinner maybe i have more kale on the next tier maybe i have more kale in different places but to be able to have access right there like right by my back door or my front door um to things that i want for dinner or... does it make you more likely to use it i think so I if think it's the so. proximity thing and which is weird because oftentimes our gardens are not that big but somehow having to walk 20 feet as opposed to having to walk five, it's like, oh, I have to go all the way out there. I think it's that, um, that feeling that you can just walk out with a cup of tea and take a little wander and it's not really far away, you know, that you're not, you know, walking to the back of the property or something that you can. I definitely relate to that because there's times when I want something, but I'm like, oh all the way in the way back of my farm and I'm like do I really want a carrot right now I don't yeah. know if I do you know? yeah and I mean this is a privilege of like owning property and having property that we can think mm -hmm. about this but this can be true even if I mean if you're if you're renting and you have a small space for a couple of containers mm -hmm. um, I, I think the idea that a garden has to be huge it can be well, so many things to, I have done a thing where I've pressured myself um, oh I need to grow all the garlic that I'm going to use for the year. Oh, that all failed. 
I'm really upset now <laughs> or that I need to grow um, you know an giant row of peas and I, I think this is what kind of foils my succession plantings sometimes is that I feel the need to plant a whole bunch and, and it's okay to just plant little groupings here and there. Where do I have some space? What's that soil like? What are the conditions like there? Um, can, I, can I grow a small amount of something? Can I grow a small amount of something in a container, like you're saying? Um, it, it, to me, it's so much about how, how do you use these things? How are they, um, they going to be incorporated into your life? And, and I think what happens when you plant a large amount of any food crop it can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. you know, when it all comes on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel overwhelmed on my farm sometimes, like, oh, oh, the cherry tomatoes, oh, whatever. And you, and you have to just keep harvesting and harvesting. Yeah. But that's my business. You know, when it's your home garden, you want just enough. I mean, if you like canning or processing and that's really your purpose to like preserve a lot of that, that's great. And, and you know to anticipate when something comes on really hard, oh, I've got to set aside time to process this, put it in the freezer, mm -hmm. you know, pickle it, whatever you're going to do. But if it's really just that you want to enhance your fresh vegetables in your life, you know, it, like you're saying, it doesn't have to be a lot. Yeah. It can be just a little bit of this. Maybe you just like to graze, you know, maybe you have f friends with kids who like to come over and pick your peas and eat them mm -hmm. or pull carrots out of your garden. And it can be just a small crop and that's okay. Um, whatever works for you. And, and that's where I think we get into this. Uh, it's so inspiring to hear you talk about just tucking these things in here and there and finding ways to, to just a little bit of this, a little uh, bit of that. Kind of it's okay. intentions <laughs> for the new year is to just really, you know, look at my space and there's parts of my space that I've kind of given over to the wild for some seasons and, but just looking at smaller areas and thinking about how much joy I got out of the, you know, couple of kale plants that turned into monsters this year. That <laughs> I, I love like, it when wow, they do that. I love it. You, you are different than the rest of your kin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and trying some new things, you know, not uh, being brave and just letting myself try some new varieties of things. Maybe. It's always exciting. Yeah. I mean, you don't know how it's going to, you have to be kind of open to this might be a disaster. Or it may not work, or you know, I may be trying this, and maybe it's not going to turn out how I want. But I think it's always fun to experiment. Exactly, and kind of going it out, going, going at it, entering into it with curiosity mm -hmm. that it's okay to plant things and um, observe them, or not plant things and observe what is actually on your property in your neighborhood. Um, getting to know one or two new plants this year, uh, maybe introducing one native into your garden, one keystone plant, um, thinking about smaller perennials. You know, I'm always thinking about larger scale perennials, shrubs, trees, introducing small you know, one small bulb, one small new little perennial that's blooming maybe at a different time that some of my um, cutting garden plants or things like that. Reaching out to nursery websites, looking at native plant nurseries, um, 
Looking through seed catalogs. Oh, uh, seed catalogs. Yum. This is such a great time of year. Winter is like one of my favorite um, times because some, sometimes it's just raining sideways and mm-hmm. you just there's nothing useful to do outside. And the best thing you can do is just sit down inside, cozy up someplace. If you have a fireplace, great. If not, as long as you're warm, put a blanket over your legs and get a cup of warm something and just go through the seed catalogs and be inspired. Yes. And um, I'm try, try, every year I try really hard to control my seed purchasing because it's uh, there's so many things. I'm like, oh, I want to try that. I want to try this. And it's really wonderful to explore new stuff. I, we were talking before we hit record about the idea of starting seeds and when do you start yes, yes. seeds. Did and this is, that? well, this is something that is so interesting because, uh, you know, it's taken me a while to refine when do you start seeds for different crops? When do you plant? When is it good to do various things? And um, a, a thing that I see people do over and over again, and I have done this myself, is like you get so excited about spring and wanting it to come sooner that we start seeds too early. Mm-hmm. And when you really think about think about when it when it's going to be okay to plant those plants outside, and that has a lot to do with soil temperature. It has a lot to do with how wet is the soil. Can you actually amend, work your soil in order to get those plants in the ground and get them off to a good start? And, you know, some of those real, you know, cool season plants like the, the leafy greens, the mm-hmm. brassicas, like kale and collards and, and broccolis, um, chard even. Within that group, there's variations on what, how much cold they can tolerate how much um, wet soil they can tolerate. Peas as well, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, it's it's interesting when I moved here, there was this real, I kept hearing this over and over again, you you sow your peas on President's Day. Uh And I'm like, well, why? You know, what if it's snowing on President's Day? Is that really, should you just do that? And you know, over time I've come to learn that sometimes like sowing things earlier, planting them earlier is not better. Mm-hmm. Because if the soil is too cold and it's too wet, if you plant your if you go out and you plant your pea seeds in that really cold wet soil, there's a really high likelihood they're just going to rot, and you're going to need to plant them again in a couple of weeks anyway. Um, with those kale plants, even if you're doing it as a transplant and you plant it in that cold wet soil, it's just going to sit there mm-hmm. and not grow mm-hmm. for a month. Unless you really want to get your cloching game on. Absolutely. You can put out row cover. You can do all those things. If, if it's really about, I want to get these plants in early, I want to get that start, then you're going to start investing in, you know, season extension stuff. So building little, you know, hoop houses, little little low tunnels over your garden beds to help keep it warmer in there, maybe keep it a little drier, building a microclimate that will allow those plants to root and get going earlier. But if if you're not going to do that, don't be in a rush. Yeah. Because it's... Sit there with that seed catalog a little bit longer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the number of times when I have rushed to do things and I've put, you know, gotten on my kale in the ground Mm -hmm. and then just watched it sit there through a cold, miserable, wet spring. And, and, you know, it doesn't start growing until a month after I planted it anyway. So what did I gain there? Right. I didn't really gain anything if I wasn't willing to do all the extra stuff to cover it and try and get it going. And so I, I, give yourself a break <laughs> since don't it, be in a hurry. Exactly. And then that's so interesting because there's some things, you know, like that's the vegetable gardening world. Mm-hmm. There's some things in the perennial gardening world like, I don't know, poppies. Mm-hmm. Like I have tons of like little baby poppies that mm-hmm. are out there right now. Yeah. 
and they're probably going to make it through oh, the winter. They probably will. I'm going to probably need to do some thinning. Mm -hmm. I have lots of little crops of poppies or calendula mm -hmm. or um, this year weld actually that that I'll need to thin those, you yeah. know, or or completely eliminate them from some of the areas. But I'm just letting them be right now. Mm -hmm. And you could that's something where you could throw around some seed for some of that stuff. I yes. think if you just have, if you saved a yeah. bunch of seed from your poppies or something. I often do it in the fall and then I'll do it again in the spring. Mm -hmm. You know, this time of year, it's a little bit hard for them to get going. But who knows if you have a little microclimate somewhere. Yeah, it can, it, th that's, and I guess I always bring it back to that too. Know your own garden, know yes. your space. What, what Jessica is talking about for her garden here in Astoria doesn't always translate to my farm out in Olney, which doesn't translate to my friend's properties down in Halem, mm -hmm. you know, or out Highway 30 or next to the ocean or in Cannon Beach. Exactly. Or even just right in town, because honestly, we all have different microclimates within our own gardens mm -hmm. and, and really kind of looking at that. Yeah. And so Ed, the more you get to know your space and what works in your space, you can take what we're saying and kind of take it with, you know, you know, like a pinch of salt, whatever that mm -hmm. thing is and say, okay, well that works for them. I'm going to, you know, or maybe I'm going to try something this year or like, well, you know, I'm going to sow my peas on President's Day anyway. And, and maybe they work great. And that's wonderful. If it works for you, that's wonderful. And if it doesn't like, okay, yeah. sow yeah. them again in two weeks. Also, one <laughs> of the things I've really been thinking about, um, is seeing what's happening on its own in our gardens. I am starting on one side of my house that's just kind of not had a lot going on and I've stacked up pottery over there and I kind of cleaned it out and I noticed all these beautiful little mosses that were coming. And mosses that I have propagated in containers. That you some, propagate moss? I do. I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, um, we'll, we'll have a conversation about that another time. <laughs> I really, for dish gardens, for some oh, of my so dish beautiful. gardens, yeah. mm -hmm. I really love having different little mosses anyway. Just letting myself, maybe this year, just have a little fern and moss garden. And then it doesn't have to be like full-size ferns that... I kind of accidentally propagated some ferns by <laughs> dragging home lots of fern fronds to dry and then having them land outside and letting myself have this little entryway that's like really simple and mosses and ferns and maybe some tiny little bulbs when I get to it over there, but that I can just poke around and weave moss over there if I feel like it and that it... Um, gives me a soft feeling and and that that's gardening too oh absolutely that even just this little you know rocky side of your garden you can have this sweet little mossy fern garden and that that doesn't require a lot of care or water or and that that's just as valuable and kind of making me more excited than like my potatoes or <laughs> <laughs> I, whatever excites and interests you. I think that's what's so wonderful about working with nature in the areas that surround where we live. Again, if it's a home garden, if it's a larger property, if it's a couple of containers on the balcony of your apartment, there is something about having a connection to nature 
in any of those ways that I think is really good for us as human beings. And, um, and that should be a space where we don't get obsessed about, I should. This. I this. should be doing this. Oh, I should be doing that. Oh, it doesn't look right. Oh, it doesn't look like this magazine picture. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. You know, it's, it should be this. I struggle with this all the time on my farm. You know, when people come, sometimes they just spontaneously have, have showed up and I'm like, oh, don't look over here because it looks so awful. And no one sees your space the way you do. Um, you know, no, and and no. it's also just like allow things to happen. I mean, sometimes it, it I, I feel like there's such and... a cultural shift about this right now, and it might not be in our entirety, but there is a real cultural shift that our gardens have this amazing ability to be habitat. Mm-hmm. You know that that these can be providing rest stops and support for all kinds of invertebrates and birds and all kinds of wildlife yeah all kinds of of wildlife and that um in order for it to do that at least parts of it need to kind of be left alone and that we can go ahead and have our front of the house or front of the bed and we can go ahead and keep Mm-hmm. Keeping that a little bit tidier, or or not. Or I not. love driving by houses where their garden is just wild, well, you know, and you that's the street my, garden. You see my I street do. garden <laughs> through the years. I just keep. It's not. It's not that I don't get out there, and and mm-hmm. I almost have to hold myself back from overworking the gardens these days. After years and years of wanting to be tidy and neat nick and even mm-hmm. though i was bringing in native plants and and you know feeling like i was uh, providing food for pollinators you know the more i research the more i observe the less that i want to disturb these areas on a regular basis i'm going to go in i'm going to divide some of my plants in the fall or the spring um, I, because I want to have so many plants in one place, I'm going to divide plants. I'm going to give plants to people. I'm going to compost some of them. But I'll tell you what, I'm just leaving areas alone a lot more. And I have so many uh, residential clients that are also on board with this. We're swapping New York Times articles. This is really coming into the mainstream. Um, We can be proud of our weeds. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe not everyone's going to well, get this cultural shift, but there's a lot of people that are going to like see yeah. You know, the 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 leaves stacked up, the pieces of wood decaying at the back of the plant bed, and they're going to get it. Yeah, but if that's, they don't get it, it doesn't matter. No, exactly. I think not not caring so much about what do other people think of my garden, but what do I think of my garden? Do mm-hmm. I get pleasure from it? And am I enjoying it? And there is something amazing about when you let parts of your of your space go wild or you just allow there to be lots of flowers or different kinds of things happening the joy of like being out there midsummer and seeing the insect population mm-hmm. the bees the 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 little pollinators the butterflies and moths that are around it's so amazing and so beautiful and that happens when you allow all of those different plants to be out there and blooming and you start and to going s- to seed if they going to seed to. and seeing them happen in different things I, just that is I, I mean for me i find that so exciting i know you 
you do. And more and more I'm seeing people like allowing that to happen in their gardens and seeing the joy that you get exactly, from it. That, that observation, mm -hmm. that observation can be part of our joy with the natural yeah. world. Yeah. And you can come at it from a point of view of like, wow, I'm reading all about, you know, pollinators, especially bees are really under stress, native pollinators habitats destroying, you know, climate change is screwing up when things are blooming and not and all of those things. So maybe you're coming at it from a concern of I want to help insects and pollinators or maybe you're just coming at it from a like, I don't want to do so much work in my garden anymore. <laughs> However, you're coming at that approach. It's a wonderful way to look at this, you know, new season that's coming towards us, the new spring, new summer, new fall, and maybe, you know, approach it in new ways. Have a wonderful new year, wonderful rest of winter, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks just so much for this conversation. Thank you. Dean. It's always good Thank to have these winter check-ins and just remind myself, okay. Stay cozy, folks. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you next time. <laughs>